When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you officially in the All-Star break. We have, have finally reached that point in the season where all the teams take uh, four days off here. Some of the players obviously will head to Cleveland, some of those Cubs indeed to play in the Midsummer Classic, but we get a brief reprieve from the Chicago Cubs, which Brendan, I, I will bring you in here. I, I got to be honest with you, doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world to me at this point. Sure. You get five days off, and the Cubs have been playing consistently over the past, what, seven weeks now with very few off days. So there's silver linings, right? And you get Contreras, you get uh, Chris Bryant, you get Javi Baez enjoying those festivities. You regroup, you get back well-rested, and you just put this behind you. That's That's all you can do at this point. The Cubs find themselves in a a bit of a strange spot that I I think is kind of the key to where we find ourselves, and that's what we'll be talking about on this episode. We have a lot of content planned for you over this All-Star break. Uh, I, I know with the Cubs not playing... You know, maybe some of you guys will just dip out of baseball altogether, just take maybe a break. Maybe you need a break as well. I get it. Yeah, for, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so if you are not here for any of this content, totally understand. Take a break, get fresh for the second half here. It's It, it may be for the best. Uh, but for those of you looking to, you know, fill some of those hours, have a little bit of that, as the title of this podcast is really meant to imply, uh, Cubs-related content, we will try to give that to you this week. So today we're going to, you know, talk about these these couple games with the White Sox and where exactly we find ourselves at this All-Star break, uh, you know, the unofficial, I guess, halfway point of the season, even though the all the teams have played more than 81 games. Uh, and then we, on 
Tuesday morning, we'll air an episode. We're going to talk minor league Cubs uh, with Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation, something that we don't really have a lot of time for normally on on the regular episodes. Uh, I'm not super big into delving on that, and we obviously have a lot going on usually with the Major League Baseball team, so we don't really get to go in-depth with that, so we will do a little bit of that, talk a little bit of that, get a, get a look at the Cubs minor league system, some names to know, et cetera, and have a little fun with that. Some and then have updates as well. Yeah, a lot going on there, uh, you know, especially as the team is searching for answers in some regards. So we will uh, learn a little bit more about that. And then uh, we'll have one more episode for you in the week uh, that we will record probably on Thursday. And then, you know, we will, that episode will be to get ready for the second half, you know, kind of look back a little bit at the first half, talk about some, some guys that were big performers, disappointments, etc., and, you know, maybe lay out some expectations for those guys and the team as a whole going into this second half and, uh, you know, towards this stretch run here. And so that's the the, the Cubs-related podcast lay of the land. Um, but getting back to where we find ourselves with this Cubs team, so they will will finish the first half at 47 and 43, uh, not really where I think any of us were hoping that they would be. But the thing to reconcile here, Brendan, is that this team has uh, played under 500 uh, for over a month now, uh, under 500 in the entire month of June. Then obviously you start July with a series loss to the Pirates and a split with the White Sox. So ultimately you do find yourself under 500 so far in July. Uh, it has been a while, Brendan, since the Cubs won a series. It is that sweep in Chicago of the St. Louis Cardinals uh, prior to heading out on that West Coast trip. A lot of splits in there and some splits with some some pretty good teams like the Braves, uh, but overall, obviously not the result you're hoping for. But again, getting back to what we're reconciling here is that the Cubs go into this break in sole possession of first place in the NL Central. So right now, they they would make the playoffs. Uh, They would have a date with the Atlanta Braves. And as we've seen many a time in in the Major League Baseball playoffs, uh, you know, you do get the sense a lot that you just get in, you you have your guys healthy, you, you put out your best roster every day. You, you know, shorten that bullpen to only the guys you want out there in the high leverage spots, and any team can put up a fight in a, in a playoff series. So I think that that is kind of where we find ourselves, you know, having to admit that the team has not played great baseball, you know, still a lot of the sloppiness and, and stuff that we've talked about for weeks here on this podcast, you know, we, we still see some of that. But I, I think the key here, Brendan, is saying to ourselves, okay, like this did not go as planned in this first half and the Cubs should probably consider themselves pretty lucky that none of the other teams in this NL Central uh, beyond just the Brewers have gone on a run and, and taken hold of a division that is really right there for the taking, but that's the key for the Cubs. You, you have the, this off time, you have the ability to manipulate this roster, uh, be it from the aforementioned options within the system or obviously from other teams via the trade, and you've got to get it together, clean it up, make some adjustments to this group, and take a division that is on a silver platter for you. Right. And three topics have persisted over the last, again, eight weeks or now since the Cubs have been basically at 500, below 500 in the stretch. Sloppy defense, situational hitting has been absent, and just the, the feeling around the club feels very heavy, right? With Theo Epstein going on the air, sort of, you know, not blasting the team, but sounding very dejected. And even at times, Madden sounding very dejected. It's a weird place to be in because the Cubs, as they stand, they're still in first place. The Brewers just lost. They're three games above 500. Yelich is dealing with back tightness. The team is not pitching well. And the Cubs are fortunate, right? But we still recognize there's issues to be addressed. And the Cubs did address one of those issues in 2017 at the All-Star break. At that time, they needed pitching. They went out, they traded Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease, and others for Jose Quintana, and they made that deal at the All-Star break. So a lot of people are asking, okay, will the Cubs go out and make another type deal during this All-Star break? What I think might happen is maybe some shuffling around. Maybe some minor league guys from Iowa get called up. Maybe Alzoli gets to call back up once the second half starts. Maybe he goes to the bullpen. Who knows, right? But I do think 
when the Cubs do play on Friday, there is a good chance there is some type of shakeup. Maybe, I don't know, Trent Jambroni gets called up, right? Maybe he gets more of an opportunity. Maybe Descalso, even though I doubt it, maybe he's just not on this team. Maybe they try to pass him through waivers. Who knows what's going to happen? But I think the three targeted topics that are persisting is just sloppy defense. What can be fixed about that sloppy defense? The situational hitting. What can be fixed about the situational hitting? And how do you get this team to sort of, you know, take a deep breath and get that heavy feeling off of their chest, so to speak, where they're playing in uh, at, at a at a position where it's very similar to that 2016 team, where they're free flowing, they're you know having quality at bats the entire game, they're grinding at bats, getting starting pitchers out before the fifth and sixth innings, getting to that bullpen earlier. And showing what they've been doing for the past several years now, and that is grinding at bats, hitting for power, and taking advantage of opportunities. It's just for the last year, two years now, that's not what we've seen. It's very unfamiliar, and whether that gets addressed this All-Star break, probably not, right? But you can at least mix and match some of the pieces around and try to put a band-aid on it and go through the second half and have a good chance of getting into the playoffs and trying to get things to work out in the postseason right so it's a weird it's a weird spot isn't it Brendan because like at the beginning of the year you know I think a lot of us went into the season again with the the bullpen and maybe the bench being those areas where we looked at and we go okay if there's bumps in the road for this team I think it's going to come from those two areas and We've seen a ton of shuffling with this bullpen, nonstop. Obviously, the major addition of Craig Kimbrell. So, like the front office, not messing around with that bullpen. We saw them take action after just that third series, like with guys like Edwards going down and some of that shuffling starting. A little, little bit too late, though. There, Corey. Like, sure. I, I still think I still think you can give credit to the front office for taking action, but still, nevertheless too late yeah sure I mean they 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 blew an awful lot of games in those first three series yeah so you know certainly maybe a a little later but but they have uh, addressed it a, a lot during during the course of this first half and I think where we find ourselves now is you know again like you're you're not getting good performances out of guys like Mike Montgomery at times Brad Brock giving up a home run on Sunday afternoon to Jose Abreu you know so his ERA I believe still is north of six so you're you're still kind of looking at like what role he should be playing and you know how often he should be getting used Um, but I, I do think that we're at a place where I'm not really as concerned about this bullpen as I was at the beginning of the year like I said I think that if you boiled this group down to hey, we have to win this game, so these are the pitchers that get used in this order, and we don't stray outside of that, as, you know, kind of like you would down the stretch or, or, of course, in the playoffs. I feel pretty confident in this group. Uh, Kimbrell looked really good on Saturday, yeah, sitting 97-98. His, break, you know, his breaking stuff was breaking too much. He, he, you know, had trouble commanding it. He hit a batter with one of those uh, breaking pitches. And, you know, that's something where this is only, you know, he's got a few outings now under his belt, didn't have like the normal spring training. So I think command is is going to come to him, but the stuff looks really good. He looks like he has that stuff that will allow him to be a dominant version of Craig Kimbrell. Pedro Strope in that eighth inning, uh, you know, can't feel more confident about that. You know, he has his his weird struggle sometimes when he was the closer and he would come in in tie games and, you know, give up runs. But Pedro in that eighth inning is about as good as it gets for a setup man in this league. C-Sheck being able to come in earlier in emergency spots or just, you know, with Strope, prior to Strope, around that, you know, get the ball to Kimbrell area. Kinsler's been good. Kyle Ryan has been good uh, a lot throughout this season. You know, certainly enough to, you know, maybe be in consideration for like that group that we trust here. And, you know, then you keep rotating these guys. Carl Edwards should be back soon. Dylan Maples has gotten some shots. Like you mentioned, Brendan, uh, Adbert Alzali could maybe be an option for this bullpen down the road. So I, I feel pretty good about this group. No, they've done a great job fixing those and addressing those issues as the season has progressed, yeah. given some of the chances that were available. Still a little bit too late, right? Getting sure. Kimbrell, little little bit too late. A lot of blown games. So yeah. I, I, I can... I can empathize with a lot of fans who are still not happy with with that situation, how it panned out. 
But like you, I do feel comfortable with the bullpen, mostly because a lot of the guys in AAA are performing very well. Like you were just saying, you have Dylan Maples, who's been up, looked good at times, other times not good, but still has good stuff. But, you know, going a little bit deeper, Rowan Wick, I like Rowan Wick, and you can shuffle guys back and forth. We saw that with Randy Rosario today, got two outs, looked decent, still has good stuff, has not been good. Not going to throw away any of those bad performances, but the Cubs do have arms and options to mix and match with that does give you more confidence, I think, going into the second half than it did going into the opening uh, start of the season. Right. And Theo and co, you know, in some of their interviews sounding at least a little more optimistic on Brandon Morrow than I was really anticipating, Um, you know, and it (laughs) might just be lip service. Who knows? But again, as we've talked about, if you're able to get him for any period of time at all, even if it was one game a week, your bullpen would be really good for that one right. game a week. So we'll see. Right. So it's all just to say that from where we began the season to right now, I, that's not particularly high on my list. And, right. and if it's we're not, looking it's at surprising, actually, right. And and if we're looking at you know what are they thinking about doing going toward the deadline? Where should they be thinking about spending their their assets if that's indeed the the course of action that they choose to go? I'm not super concerned uh, about the bullpen. I know that uh, Jed and Theo, I think, have both in their radio interviews earlier this week mentioned that, you know, lefty relievers may still be something that they're looking at. And, you know, I think that there's definitely guys out there who wouldn't be at the top of the high-priced list that, you know, maybe you can add some veterans. Uh, You know, like I said, Kyle Ryan has gotten a lot of those, like, lefty-on-lefty calls. You know, maybe you want someone with a little more experience, someone that, you know, has a a longer track record of success uh, just to add to this group. But that's not where my focus would be. And I've talked a lot since this offseason about my belief of this starting rotation. And, you know, they, 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 uh, they've all had their ups and downs, right, throughout this season. Uh, you know, with someone like Cole Hamels, the only down is that he got hurt. Otherwise, it was pretty much all ups. But I, I still feel very good uh, about this rotation. You know, we're, we're still kind of playing this same game as always with you, Darvish, where, you know, it's kind of one step forward, two steps back. Well, that was a pretty good start, but, you know, that kind of game. Um, but overall, I think the, the starting rotation has looked good. Cole Hamill's injury hopefully is not as serious as maybe we initially thought, and he can come back here down the stretch. Kyle Hendricks looks good in his first few starts coming back from his injury. You know, he's still got to get lengthened out, but he looks healthy. He looks fine. And so that's not really where I'm thinking about this team either. I think, Brendan, it's pretty clear uh, as we sit at the end of this first half here that we are in another phase where the offense is where this attention is going to be put. Do you feel more confident about this offense right now as it is compared to the offense last September? Yes. You do? Yeah. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I do. I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't know if I do. I felt as if last September, the Cubs still had maybe a little bit more depth. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong here. I, I think I feel- for me, it goes a lot to, you know, obviously we know that Chris Bryant was dealing with the shoulder injury last year and just didn't really look like the same version of himself. Wilson Contreras struggled mightily in that second half. Um, so I, I just think that right now, the the core you know, the the main group, Rizzo's in a, in a slump for himself, uh, you know, but his overall numbers still look pretty good. You've got Hayward putting up some of the best numbers he has on offense in a Cubs uniform. Chris Bryant putting up numbers that are rivaling his MVP season, whether people want to, you know, gripe about his numbers with runners in scoring position, notwithstanding, he's been one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, we're going to keep reminding you that over the next <laughs> few days. Chris Bryant is literally uh, performing as one of the best hitters in baseball. So I don't want, again, as as usual, Chris Bryant's slander not tolerated on the Cubs no, related never, podcast. No, never will be, no. Okay. Uh, so we're going to be drilling that one into you. Okay. Chris Bryant, very good. Okay. Uh, but you know, Javi having a good year, not necessarily, uh, you know, maybe like rivaling his, you know, runner-up in the MVP voting of 2018, but he's still having a very good year. He's hitting bombs, going oppo a lot. So I, I think I just feel like that group is in a better place than they were at the end of last year. And, 
you know, again, you don't want to be relying on them totally. I've talked about that a lot too, and the and the pressure that you know maybe is being put on on the top of the order. But I I think that in a vacuum, I would be more confident that that group could win them a game. Uh, than I did maybe at the end of last year. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I feel that way. I, I know you want to go into the debate and and like yeah. look, it's it's a shame that we're even having this conversation. It's kind of scary. And that's kind of the point I'm making is that the fact that we're even having this conversation, something something went wrong here. But going back to that 2018 September stretch when they still went 15 and 12, mm-hmm. I think you and I still expected Chris Bryant to perform well to levels that even he would be satisfied with going into October last year. I know the shoulder injury was an issue, but we just expect KB to be KB. And at that time, Ian Happ was on the team. He was a well above league average player last year, offensively, a 7% more runs than a league average player. And you had Schwarber performing better last year than this year. And you throw in Ben Zobris, who had a WRC plus of 123, again, 100 being league average. The The lineup felt more well-rounded. And Daniel Murphy, I hate the guy, hate Daniel Murphy, but he still he had a 340 Woba with the Cubs. He still produced a little bit, even though it was very top-heavy, and then at mm-hmm. the tail end of it, it was not good. But the point I'm making is I felt as if the broken offense, as Theo described it, seemed to have more depth, where you look at this current iteration of the Cubs offense, after Contreras bats, I'm not that confident in, in anyone putting up quality at bats. Hayward has been very good this year and very good recently. Still, though, in this launch angle revolution, whatever you want to call it, Hayward's not one of those guys. He's going to give you ground balls a lot. And we saw it even in that game against the White Sox against Nova, where you have guys in second and third base. Hayward grounds out to second base in those situations. It's just the nature of his game. After that, Amora's been terrible we have no one to rely on a second base. Bodie is really going through a bad adjustment phase. Hopefully yeah. he gets out of it. And then, of course, Descalso is trash, and Russell has been playing very poorly, even though some of the numbers do look a little bit better. Still not good. Still not what you want from that position. So I think the question is fair, and that's why I kind of brought it up. I felt as if there were more possibilities for guys to get hot in September last year than there are right now. And that, to me, is what's giving me the most anxiety or cause for concern going into the second half. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and I think, uh, you know, getting back to this White Sox series, you know, just uh, to at least set up for this discussion. I think that those two games were a good kind of, you know, if you held a mirror to where this kind of, this team is right now, I I think that it's, it's a pretty good reflection of, of, you know, it's like a microcosm of, of this entire first half. And, you know, I think where people are directing their uh, you know, concern with this club right now. And, you know, again, it, it's all relative. Like, you know, some people may not be concerned. Some people may look at this and go, look, they're in first place. This team usually performs in the second half, and I'm going to trust the group. And, you know, I, I, I obviously think there's some merit to that, but I, I, I do think that all of this is kind of going back to the expectations for this team were very clear from the top down, from the front office executives to the players to the manager and how it was communicated to the fans, how it was relayed and and their their actions. And, I, you know, I think that it's just sort of being honest with ourselves that they are not playing to that level and they should not. I don't think that even just this roster as is should play 500 baseball for over a month at a time. I genuinely yeah, that, do not that believe that happen. that should happen. So right. I think that's kind of where it it, it comes. You know, I, I think admitting that they don't look good and that the results are, are not what we all were kind of expecting, I, I don't necessarily think that that has to 
directly mean that you doubt this group or that you're you're sounding the 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 loudest uh you know emergency siren that you can i think it's just admitting like they have not looked very good for kind of a long stretch of time you know this isn't like a one week uh disaster trip or anything like that this is a pretty sustained period of mediocre play from them and it's it's really just kind of trying to figure out why is that happening uh and and can we kind of stop it you know before it's too late in this division or, or in this season. But going back to these two games for the White Sox that I think were, were kind of a good illustration of this, and this is exactly what we saw when these two teams met at Wrigley Field, where we kind of go, okay, this is, you know, baseball being baseball, right? Where the Cubs beat Lucas Giolito twice, and they lose to Ivan Nova twice. Lucas Giolito has been one of the best pitchers in baseball uh, and dominating everybody not named the Chicago Cubs. And the opposite could be said for Ivan Nova, has been one of the worst pitchers in baseball and is getting killed by everybody not named the Cubs. Make sense of that however you will. I'm not sure I have the answer for you, but like this stat from our guy, uh, Christopher Kamka at C-K-A-M-K-A on Twitter, Lucas Giolito in two starts versus the Cubs, eight and a third inning pitch, 12 earned, and a 12.96 ERA versus everybody else, 15 starts with a 2.26 ERA. Okay, so figure (laughs) that one out. I I don't know. Ivan Nova this season versus not the Chicago Cubs, 16 starts and a 6.15 ERA, Brendan, versus the Cubs, two starts, and a 0.84 ERA. I, I, I got nothing I don't get on it. that. And we were talking kind of before the game that on Saturday, the Cubs win 6-3. to three. Uh, They have a big fifth inning. They put up five runs in the fifth inning to back a good you know, finish to the first half from your boy, number 34, the lefty, John Lester, who improves to eight and six after six and a third, one earned, three walks, three strikeouts. His ERA at the breaks hits at 3.72. Very nice first half for John. Nothing, uh, I, I don't think, more to add on that. John Lester is a good pitcher. That, that's That's pretty much my sentiment on the issue there. But in that fifth inning, you know, you, you that was where you're going, okay, like, it may be not perfect, but you're looking at the approach from that team against a pitcher who has been very successful in Giolito. He's racked up 11 wins, you know, on a White Sox team that's under 500, and he his command is is off in that inning. The Cubs take pitches, they take five walks in the inning, they get some hits in the inning. And you're thinking, okay, like, this is the kind of approach that we need from this team. You've got a really good starter who's been really good uh, on, on the season, and he was giving you an inch. He was on the ropes, and the Cubs didn't let him get off the hook. They, they made him pay. They put up a big number in that fifth inning, and it ultimately let them win this game. So you're trying to, like, compare that to Sunday, where you're going up against a guy that is just getting killed by everybody else, and... The results just aren't there. For those first few innings, the Cubs were ripping the cover off the ball. They had several balls, you know, that had expecting batted, expected batting averages of over 600. They had a bunch of, you know, 100, 105 plus mile an hour uh, line drives and, and outs that they were making. And then, you know, kind of through the rest of the game, that solid approach just kind of slowly dissipates. And you get several uh, guys in scoring position with, you know, one or fewer outs. You get some leadoff doubles, and they can't move the runners. They can't get these guys in. They can't get the clutch hit. And the only run of the day comes uh, off a home run from Robel Garcia. So <laughs> it's just sort of a weird, it was a weird weekend, Brendan, but I, but I think that's kind of that's the, the, that's a 2019 it, season. It's a, in a sample nutshell. of it, yeah. Where that's where you're looking is. at it, going, why does this team struggle against a guy like Ivan Nova? Why are they not able to beat up on him like everybody else? Aren't we all watching the same video and you know reading the same stats and hot zones and stuff? Like, what is the difference for this Cubs team as compared to everybody else? And you know, it was uh, again kind of. These two starts back-to-back, the Cubs on Saturday, their first four at-bats with runners in scoring position, they go four for four. They end up four for nine on the day. Obviously, that's that's a good number. On Sunday, 0 for 8. Uh, you know, yeah. like, riddle me this. I, I don't know. <laughs> 
even then, though, and I get, I give the Cubs a ton of credit for for beating Giolito there. And yeah, they came through with those runners in scoring position. Still not the best of quality of batted ball. Schwarber's blooper down the left field line. Javi's hard hit ground ball, but still nevertheless a ground ball that escaped third baseman down the line. Still, those are not the types of kind of you know past the Bhutan type hits you want to see. They're not going gap to gap. They haven't been going gap to gap. The home runs in those positions have usually not been there. Those problems still persisted. And I guess specifically, if you want to talk exactly about Ivan Nova, He's seen these hitters now for a long time with Pittsburgh. He knows how to pitch these guys, and I think that is an advantage for, for Nova. But to me, it comes back down to this, the lack of, of depth, and it goes back to that one through four, one through five. Because Nova has seen those guys so many times, maybe he does have an edge. After you get through one through five, that's it for the Cubs lineup. Robo Garcia hit a home run. But he's not been a staple with the team. I don't know if you can rely on him to be a staple with the team in the second half. And that's the point that I was making back to that 2018 September stretch when I asked, who's better? Is it that stretch or who are you more comfortable with? That team in September or right now? And that's why I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. I don't feel as if there's a lot of possibilities right now for the Cubs to score runs in terms of different player possibilities. It's right now it's one through five and that's it. And maybe every other week is Hayward thrown into that mix. And just to give a quote here from what Joe Maddis said about the offense, this is like as as brutal of an admission, I think, that we'll ever see from Joe Madden. So when he was talking to the Chicago media after that game against Ivan Nova, Madden said about the other Central Division teams, quote, when it comes down to looking at a lot of those teams offensively, I can't tell you that we have the edge, end quote. That, that is poignant, uh, Corey. That is as brutal as an admission you're going to see from anyone, I think. Almost uh, in, in similar context to when Theo was saying the offense is broken. So how do you get that edge? Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, how do you get that edge? Is it a, is it a scouting report issue? Is it a preparation issue? Is it a player personnel issue, a coaching issue? That, that seems very weird to me because going into the season that was a point of emphasis by the front office and not to go back to the offseason in those situations but this is a team how it is right now I can't figure out why they don't have those edge I can't figure out why even in that last game 0 for 8 runners in scoring position Amora leadoff double what happens next Schwarber Javi uh, uh, Rizzo, Chris Bryant, in many situations, they just didn't come through. And the bats are not the quality type of the bats that you're used to seeing. So, Corey, like what, like, what is this edge? What does that actually mean? Is that getting different folks in the clubhouse? Is it getting Ben Zobrist back? Is it making trades? Is it switching up some coaching that, you know, philosophies? What are we talking about here? I think for me, you know, look, like, I think that the the runners in scoring position thing, I, I'm, we've gone over, I'm not really sure what that is. I'm not sure if these guys press in those situations, if they change their approach. Um, but a lot of those same know, guys were there in 2016, though, like Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, right. and, and same middle of the order we've guys. We've seen what a lot changed? of these guys perform in clutch situations like Chris Bryant might have bad numbers with runners in scoring position in 2019 but I can rile off a list of extremely clutch hits that he's had in his Cubs career so it's not like he's packing it up and folding uh in this spot and I'm you know just looking at a a tweet here from uh you know friend of the podcast on Twitter Jeff Everson where he says the 2016 Cubs were 21st in baseball in batting average with runners in scoring position so you know, sometimes again, this like you get a lot of opportunities with runners in scoring position when you're a team that gets on base. And yeah, when but they you have haven't. Some good hitters. They haven't had a lot of those opportunities, right? But I'm just they're... saying, that runner hitting with runners, you know, their average with runners in scoring position isn't necessarily the be all end all. But what I think is is where you're going to have to find this edge. Getting back to your original question here is in this depth and and I think you have to start by moving some of these guys around maybe giving guys opportunities you know Garcia being an example of that and in his first couple starts here he's provided some offense for you given you a little bit of a spark I think kind of all you could possibly be asking from a guy in his position Um, but you got to get better performances than what you are getting from some of these guys at the bottom of the order and you know sometimes you have to make these 
tough decisions. And and it's not to say that you you need to just like clean house with some of these guys or uh, they they don't get any more opportunities. But some of the guys, as we've talked about, that that you wanted to maybe take those strides and cement themselves as everyday players and and just grab hold of some of these positions that hasn't happened for some of these guys and I think you know now you're you're at the halfway point of this season and you got to kind of be honest of like where are we gonna you know what where is the line for some of this you know how much of an opportunity how much of a leash are some of these guys going to get and I know for a lot of them you know, one of the, the one of the pushback from from their most ardent fans, um, looking at you in the Al- Albert Almora fan club, because uh, I'm going to read some stats in a second, so I'm just preparing everybody. Uh, I you know I know I'm like kicking the the wasps nest or know. whatever that put, is. Put on, but put on your mask. I understand that you know sometimes we want these guys to get you know a full fledged they start every day sink or swim type of opportunity but that's just not always what's going to happen and so i know that it's it's you're always for some of these guys going to be left with the like yeah you know i just don't know if he got a fair shake type of a, a feeling for for some of these guys and and their most ardent supporters um, but sometimes that's just not a realistic thing that the Cubs can or are going to do, right? Like you've got other guys that are trying to make that same argument and only so many positions where these guys can get in. But Brendan, like one of the things I'm talking about is over his last uh, 30 games, so this is about like 78 plate appearances, Albert Almora Jr. has a 580 OPS, okay? Ugh. Like that's terrible. That's really, really terrible. And What's his uh, weighted on base average net stretch? Do you have that in front of you? I do not. I'm looking at MLB.com, so I, I okay. don't. They, you know, they don't. They don't delve that deep. Probably into like two seventy. Uh, still advanced chance. Obviously, you know, sure. he, he hit a home run the other day. So like, yeah. But then you look at someone like David Bodie, who you know we have been amongst the group saying like, get this guy in there every day. That that was kind of us making that argument that I was just saying before. Like, we want this guy to just get that honest, fair shake. Just put him out there for a sustained period and let him sink or swim. And rip, yeah. he, you know, hasn't really gotten that. I think at times, like he sort of just disappears off of the you know playing time radar. Uh, but you know, in Joe's defense and and in the defense of, you know, the front office or whoever's, you know, maybe not putting him in the lineup every day, you know, over his last 30 games, he's got a 664 OPS. And if you, you know, dial it back to like 15 games, it's uh, 510, which is terrible, like yeah. just terrible. And, and he is still struggling with that adjustment. Uh, you know, those elevated fastballs, something that, you know, when he started to take a dip in 2018 after his early success, that was the culprit is those elevated fastballs. And you can just see it in, in a lot of these games. In this White Sox series, it was no different. Uh, and, and going back into that Pirate series where these pitchers are, they know exactly where to throw him. And it really looks as though like he literally can't control himself, you know, He's, he knows yeah. the high heat is coming. We know the high heat is coming, and he swings through it anyway. And that's just where, where it is right now. But, you know, you look at someone like Addison Russell, who has, uh, you know, hit at least over the last, like, few weeks here better than normal for him. But you look at his overall number, and he's right where he always is, which is decidedly below league average. He's an 85 WRC-plus guy right now. Uh, I think over his last 30 games to compare him to those other guys, you know, a little bit over a 700 OPS, which with his glove isn't the worst thing in the world, right? And and we know that like these defense first players can be productive, but he's out there making boneheaded mistakes, uh, you know, in a few of these games over just this last week. And I'm not going to buy into a decent stretch for a couple weeks for a guy that has been this same hitter for four plus years. So you've just got spots in this lineup where you are just not getting production. And we have been harping on these spots over and over and over again, because I think that's just what it is. That That is where the, the concern for me lies with this team. Because Brendan, like, here's the deal, right? I, like anybody else, wish that Chris Bryant came through every single time with runners in scoring position, right? I, I wish he hit a a, you know, a thousand with runners in scoring position, never made an out. He's the most clutch person in the history of baseball, just carrying the team to superstardom, right? But for me, when we are diving into what, you know, so right now I'm looking at fan graphs, Chris Bryant of all position players ranks number eight 
in all of Major League Baseball in terms of wins above replacement right now. So when we're looking at someone like that who is literally putting up the best offensive numbers, you know, like on the whole, on the team, when we're digging in and saying, well, but he's not perfect, right? Like he's not doing this. <laughs> I, 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 What are we supposed to do about that? Sure. You know what I mean? Well, like that, I mean, you that's want the him problem, to be better. Though, because those, those issues get magnified. Of because course. if Chris Bryant does not come through, then no one can come through on the team right now. That's right. just the way it's looking out to be. So the reason that we and, you know, I guess me specifically, we, we harp on these other guys. It's not to be hard on these guys. It's not to say that, you know, Bryant and Rizzo and Baez don't fail in big spots sometimes, but it's just to say, look, those other positions are where this team can realistically and like pragmatically and practically, whatever word you want to use, that's where they can make adjustments. They, I don't but know if there's an instant organization fix. or within or within the organization. Well, I, I, because I think you're going to see them continue to try some of the internal options. You know, Ian Happ has not had the best season in the minors, but he's on yeah. a really nice stretch right now. He's had uh, several multi-hit games in his. But last... what's the likelihood of that working now? Right, like even I Ian Happ has know. his issues, and even you you go around that AAA roster as well. Yeah, there's some guys who are performing well, but what's the likelihood that translates or that actually gives the Cubs the edge that Joe Madden is talking about? Right. Because to me, that doesn't sound as if it's a reliable solution. To no. me, the reliable solution is a pretty drastic shakeup. That's 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 the solution, I think. And I and you look around the outfield, Schwarber's been basically league average. He's been pretty good at leadoff. He's a three forty four weighted on base average as a leadoff hitter been good for the Cubs, but still not the type of expectations that he's living up to. We mm-hmm. all we all know that. And the defense has been a little bit above league average, very good for where he came up from in 2015-2016, but still not to the point where a lot of fans are feeling comfortable with him. A little rough around the edges, but he's been pretty good. He's been fine. Sure. Yeah. But I guess the, the, point, the point I'm making is there's a lot of guys who just seem to be not getting to their peak for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then the, the 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 point when the league starts to adjust to them after that strong 2016-2017 stretch for some of these guys, they can't get beyond that. And so that's when I when I ask myself, what's what is the reliable solution? Is it going and dipping into that AAA Iowa roster? That seems like kind of a shot in the dark. The reliable solution might be drastically switching things up. Maybe trading Amora trading Schwarber, getting guys who may have a shorter window with the team, a little bit older, but gives the Cubs a better chance to win within the next, you know, now in the next year or two. Maybe that's kind of what they need. Because at at this point, I'm going into the second half and I'm not finding any guys where I'm like, oh yeah, once once he figures it out, because he will figure it out, then this team will be fine. Because I don't look at this team and I don't find anyone where I can reliably project so and so performing, you know, X, Y, and Z and giving you this many, you know, runs produced. I don't see that on their roster right now. Yeah, no, I I, I know what you mean. I agree with you. I I, I don't know. I, I think no no question asked. Like if you are if you are looking for a reliable answer to gotta be some of this. I, I don't think that they have it. And that's not to say that Ian Happ couldn't do that, right? He's very young, obviously a, a, a top prospect. So the, the potential is there. But if you're asking reliably, like, is this going to happen? Can I say this with certainty? You know, I don't know that they have that. I just think that that's where we're going to go first. I think that you see maybe some of those options tried and as we head toward the deadline, you know, maybe see them get more aggressive, but it's possible that they just go for this right now. Again, you know, a lot of this conversation is fueled by the language of Theo Epstein, right? He was very clear in that interview on the score. I read a lot of those quotes in full on the last episode. Like, this is not stuff that Brendan and I are just, you know, looking, reading into, like, and making something out of nothing, right? Like, this was very clearly laid out that, that, both Theo and Jed in their most recent interviews, they both said position player depth is the biggest issue with this team right now. No sugarcoating it, no way to misinterpret what they were saying. Very clearly, position player depth is the issue. So 
that's that's where this conversation stems from. It's it's very clear language from the guys involved that what we're seeing is you know kind of matching the way a lot of us are feeling. Where it's like you know I don't I I don't know that this is been that good. And I don't know how confident I I am in this offense on a nightly basis. And that's being echoed by the people in charge. So I I think we're in for a very interesting time here. I I would say it's it's probably safe to say that the Cubs may be one of the most, if not the most interesting team to watch at this trade deadline. Because Right. right now, you know, at least from where I'm sitting, you have what sounds to be a pretty on-edge, not super pleased Theo Epstein, uh, a division that is for the taking. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they proceed forward here. I'm not expecting like an earth-shattering move. I'm not even really sure what that would be. But there's some guys know. out there, though, that makes sense. Like, just to throw a few names out there, because we've been asked about this. Like, hey, who's mm-hmm. some, you know, trade targets the mm-hmm. Cubs go after? There's some guys there, one of which is Hunter Pence, having a good year for the Rangers right now, has a 390 weighted on base average, Corey. Right. He has... Uh, well, I don't know uh, that that, two, that would be a major trade, though, would it? Right, but it gives you some... That's what I again, it gives you it gives you It gives you a little bit of a reliable projection of what to expect. Yeah. There's other guys, too like Nicholas Castellanos for the uh, for the Tigers right now, who's right. actually still relatively young, hasn't even turned 30 yet. He's 27, and that's, this year he's... That's kind of where I... If we were if we were betting on this, that would be a name I would right. be writing He'll be down. a free agent yeah. after next year. He's batting 280 right now, has nine homers, 362 plate appearances, a 339 weighted on base, base average, and a WRC plus of 112. So right. that that is your right field solution right there right then well and and, and just to you know you you also get kind of the complication just to go to uh the first name you mentioned in hunter pence like the rangers find themselves three games out of the al wild card like do they buy into that they're very far out of the division but you know what's their strategy going to the deadline you know so that's also part of this where you know you do still have a few weeks here where some of these teams the Cubs may be looking to be aggressive and get in front of this and you know maybe do something now like while we're all taking our break here right and they they did that two years ago right so it's possible it's you, you you know you have to be looking at those teams that maybe it's a little more sure like this is what they're going to be doing and and that's part of the reason like I just think that Cassiano's makes the most sense of the names that I've been hearing. You know, you look at someone like Whit Merrifield, which is another name you're going to hear a lot because Kansas City is not good. And, you know, he's someone, if you're looking for offense, that, you know, at least you can uh, go back and look at some some semblance of a track record. Like, you know, cost a lot. He's, he's a guy, but he's under control for a few more years, I think four more years, and yeah. he does not get paid a lot. So, and he's a he's very productive a player. So he's going to cost a lot. I, I don't necessarily see... The Cubs going that direction, but again, it, it you know it depends. Like if we're talking a shakeup, you know what are the Royals interested in? Could you package a prospect with some of the major league guys that you know you're not able to play every day, or you know who knows, right? But Castellanos, like you said, he, he's a free agent. I don't think he'll cost as much. He's n- you know not going to be a good defender, uh, but he's been a very reliable hitter for a few years. And I think if you're just looking like, can we just inject someone that is going to be no questions asked, an above league average hitter, maybe with some pop, slug a little bit, Castellanos is a guy that fits that description. So I think that that's somewhere that they could be looking. Um, but I, I do think that's the answer, Brendan. I, I mean, I think you're going to need to change up this offensive group. Uh, and, and again, that, that's not necessarily meant to be a, a permanent indictment on some of these guys. Like we said, like we were banging the drum for David Bodie to be out there every day. But you, you can't deny, like, he has not been consistent, and that is what this team needs right now. They, they need consistent offensive production that, you know, you're, you're not just going through these major struggles with. And, you know, again, like, the, those OPS numbers from Almora and Bodie over their last 30 games are terrible terrible right. like you, you you just have so many plate appearances so far this season that have gone to guys just not producing like they have not been converted into production and again part of that like it's very difficult for a team to like accurately or uh you know appropriately prepare for someone like Ben Zobris absence like you go into the season 
with a certain role for him in mind. Like, and obviously the role he's played for this team in the last few years, and it's just not there. So like, I, you know, I understand that that's a tough place for the front office to be. It probably leads to a lot of these guys playing more than anyone would have anticipated, but that's just where we are. And, and again, I think that a lot of this conversation stems from this division being right there, a, a, a playoff opportunity in the MLB playoffs, which is everything, right? It, it's, a, it's a golden ticket in this sport because we have seen countless times where an underdog or a team that is not nearly as good as the team that they end up playing in the playoffs ends up beating them. You can even go back to 2016. Like, I, I think uh, oftentimes it's it's very easy to, and there's no reason to relitigate this, but like San Francisco played the Cubs close in that first round. Like the Cubs did not blow them out in that series. It was very nearly a five-game series, and some of those run, games decided by a run. So you even just that, even that 2017 team that 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 92 win club they were still three games away from going back to the World Series right. against that monstrous Dodger. And I team. think so, like in in one of those games, that last game, they get blown out. But otherwise, those like that series is overall pretty competitive. Yeah, and that was at the Cubs, so to speak, low point right, right. before they even made more changes for 2018. So once you get that into was the in playoffs, the hangover year, right? The hangover year. Once right. you can get to the playoffs, it's almost it's not a coin flip. There are favorites, so to speak. But baseball is going to baseball. You have teams right. and you have pitchers like Ivan Nova, who put away a clearly decent offense, even though the Cubs still have their their problems. So it's it's you just got to get in, right? And, Theo, and, and I think that like you look at this group in particular, right? Like if you can have Cole Hamels healthy, you start. Let's just say, for example, right in a five game series, Cole Hamels, John Lester does his playoff thing like he's done his entire life and Kyle Hendricks with Bryant, Rizzo, Javi, Wilson. Look, like I'm not going to tell you that I don't believe that that team could perform in the playoffs. Would you right. reliably expect it to? Would you be rightfully concerned about the, the lack of consistency from the group as a whole going into it? Sure, of course, right? That's what we're talking about. But for me, like, you just need to get in. You have the, the main group of talent to absolutely perform in these short series, but that's, again, kind of bringing this all together. That's why this conversation has the tone that it does. That's why Theo Epstein has the tone that he does. Joe Madden and and everybody really around this organization right now, because the opportunity is right there, but you have to be taking an honest look at what you have and, and what you've been doing and saying, okay, the opportunity is right there. Perhaps we're very lucky in that regard, but it is. So now we need to look inward and say, what do we need to do to make sure that we capitalize on this opportunity and that we have done, you know, maybe not like throwing the kitchen sink at it, right? Like, you know, you don't, you know, maybe this isn't a year where you say, you know, F the prospect system, F F the organizational development. We need to commit everything to 2019, kind of like they did in 2016, right? Because like, I, I, you know, I just don't know if that's going to be the right strategy here. But you just got to say like, what do we need to do? Where can we realistically and reasonably improve to change what we've been seeing? Because we, we, we have been given or whatever, like we've landed in the opportunity where the playoff spot, the division is right there you got to clean it up, the sloppy play, and take a look at this roster and say, okay, what can we do to have better results in the second half and then see what this group and, and the talent can do in the playoffs? Get grill ready with Walmart. Find all your faves like Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. Then don't miss your chance to win thousands of hot summer prizes with the Seize the Summer sweeps. There's camping kits, backyard movie packages, gift cards, and more. Summer is what you make it. So get out, get grilling, and get winning with Walmart. No purchase necessary. Legal residents of the 50 United States, including D.C., 18 and older, or 19 for residents of Alabama and Nebraska. Void where prohibited. Promotion ends 731-2020. For official rules and complete details, visit www.seizethesizzle.com. Sponsor Kraft Heinz Foods Company. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. 
I still feel that we're in the same position as we are in, in last season, though. And that's the, the disappointing part, where, yeah, you can go out and you can try to get Nicholas Castellanos, and that may have a significant impact. But even then, again, I, you go back to Daniel Murphy acquisition. If Castellanos gives you what Murphy produced, you would be happy with that. And that's fine. But that was not still enough for that 2018 Cubs team. Right. And so... That's where I'm at where, okay, yeah, you can you can regroup and mix and match the Iowa team with this current team and play that shuttle back and forth and go out and get Castellanos, go out and entertain a Hunter Pence acquisition. But the reality is there are still the same guys on this team after those acquisitions. Russell will still be here. Schwarber will still be here. Almora will still be here. Bodie will still be here, and to reliably project them to be producers, I don't know. And it's not really fair to put Schwarber in that mix, but I'm just throwing those guys in there because they've been with the team, and they have not, for the most part, lived up to those massive expectations, whether that's fair or not. So it's a weird mix to be in because we just lived it, and we just know that type of attitude where you don't drastically shift things up can lead to stretches like the end of 2018. And you don't want to go back into that same mindset. You don't want to go back into that press conference with Theo saying the offense broke. Because then you start to ask yourself, okay, then if it broke, what could have been done differently? Maybe it was not the right approach to rely on Descalso and Zobris as depth pieces, given their age and their lack of consistent performance for Descalso in the last few years. Maybe that wasn't the right approach to do. Maybe that's only an issue addressed come the 2020 offseason. But here we are, right? I mean, we're in first place, half a game up in first place. So it's still okay to have those questions and be somewhat relieved that the situation is not worse than it is. Because like you're just saying, once you get into the playoffs, you have a team at the Giants who almost beat the 2016 Cubs. They were very close. And you have even the 2017 Cubs who, for the most part, put up a good effort against the massive Dodger team in the 2017 year. So it's as simple as getting to that point. But my biggest concern, and this is my last point, is the depth and the consequence of that depth on hitters one through five. Because I'm looking at these games uh, right now. Chris Bryant has played in 84 of 90 games. Javi, 87 of, of 90, Rizzo, 85, and Bodie, or rather uh, Hayward even, 82 of 90. That's that's a lot of games, and I'm worried too with Wilson. He's played in 76 of 90 games for a catcher. That's extraordinary. That's an insane amount of games played. So I'm thinking in my mind, if we don't get this depth fixed now, by the time they play next Friday, what is going to happen to Contreras come September? Will Baez have enough in him to give you that consistent performance? And same thing goes for Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, both of whom have had their knick-knack injuries this year. Rizzo has always dealt with back injuries. So that's my, I guess, immediate source of concern is, yeah, I want to get that depth straight to now so you can, you can really even out that lineup. But if you don't do that, then what's going to happen come September on these guys who are playing literally in 90 to 95% of these games. That's that's just reflective of not having that depth. So by come next Friday, maybe we will get someone from outside the organization. Ian Happ has been playing well too. Maybe we'll go dive back in and get Ian Happ, get Trent Trimbroni. Who Who knows, right? But something, I think, has to be done because they can't go into the same situation as last year where you get to September and you're on fumes. You go through tough stretches and he don't perform optimally, and it comes back to haunt you in high leverage situations, even though you're playing overall decent. It just comes down to those small instances, even though you go 15 and 12, you don't come through in one or two games, and that's it for you. And that's unfortunate, but to prevent that from happening again, they got to go out and they got to straighten out this depth issue as much as they can. It may not be sufficient for the long term, but for the immediate you know, next 80 games, 70 games, they got to fix this ASAP. Yeah, I think those are all fair points. I don't, I don't really disagree with you there. Um, you know, again, it's, it's a weird spot to be in, you know, because you're in sole possession of first place in a division that I think a lot of us expected, you know, and, and maybe this is why it's clustered, but, you know, I think uh, a lot of us, you know, expected some of these teams to be performing at a higher clip than this. 
And I, I I think you look at this roster, and especially with with some of the performances that you're getting from these guys, like in a vacuum, Brendan, if you told me the the seasons overall that we were getting from guys like Bryant and, you know, even Hayward, Baez, Wilson, Rizzo, like I would think things are going really well, right? And so, right. uh, you know, and again, like they're okay. Which again magnifies that depth issue. Yeah. Because you are getting those performances yet still feeling this way. Right. So I, I think it's it's that balance between knowing, I, I think that even as constructed, this this their record should be better than this. I think you're just getting too many, you know, pretty good to good performances from some of these guys that you should not be giving away so many games, you know, making these these routine mistakes that have, have cost them a handful of these games. But also, like we've been discussing, kind of, you know, being at that point where you're saying like, okay, like, yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's it's you know pretty clear that we need to see some improvement from this group. So you, you do overall understand, you know, why the tone of, you know, Theo's interviews and, and the way that he has talked lately is the way that it is. Uh, because I think it's, you know, very clear that while this team is in a fortuitous spot as it relates to the division, some improvements need to happen. And I, I think we are at that point where you're going like, okay, well, can we just sit here and expect that to occur? Or do we need to be going out and making some moves and being aggressive to ensure that that's happening? I think obviously the latter is where we're at. And I think ultimately where the front office will land at. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, well, we'll see what happens over these couple off days. Obviously, you've got the home run derby on Monday. And then you have the uh, All-Star Game on Tuesday. Chris Bryant, a reserve. Javi Baez, the starting shortstop for the National League. Wilson Contreras, the starting catcher for the National League. So you will be able to see some Cubs on that day at the very least. Uh, And again, you know, we will be back with you a couple times before the Cubs take the field again in the 2019 season. We will talk uh, minor leagues with Brian Smith. That's kind of, I guess you consider that a special edition, kind of like that Craig Kimbrell one. Uh, And we will go over, you know, where the state of the minor league system is at. A lot of these guys have made some really nice strides uh, so far in the 2019 season. Uh, So that has definitely been a positive, a lot of bright spots. And so we'll, we'll, we'll cover, I think, you know, some of the names that you guys might might hear all the time. And, you know, I think Brian will probably uh, maybe shine a light onto some guys that you can add to your list of, you know, people that may be making an impact at the major league level sooner rather than later, or, you know, even a few years down the road here. So that should be fun. And then we will get back with you and talk, uh, you know, getting ready for the second half, maybe looking back at, you know, some of our favorite moments in the first half, uh, you know, key performances, disappointments. And, you know, by then we'll sort of be mostly through this all-star break and, you know, we'll see if any action has taken place, if if the Cubs have made any moves, if the hot stove starts to get cooking here as we approach the trade deadline. So we will cover all of that for you. So we have a lot of content coming uh, for you this week. If you guys listen to one of the episodes, two of the episodes, all three of the episodes, uh, you know, we hope that, you know, it's it's enjoyable for you and that, you know, if you are having that itch for Cubs content, we are, are doing our best to provide that to you. So uh, we will talk to you guys a, a few more times this week. And I, I do just want to throw a brief note in here at the end. Uh we always thank you guys for your listenership and your support on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. for the Cubs related podcast and what we both do at cubsinsider.com. Uh, and I, you know, just wanted to reiterate that thanks. Uh, and you know, part of the reason I'm bringing that up is I had the opportunity to go on 670 the score on Friday as a guest on 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 one of the morning shows to talk Cubs. And that was my first time doing that. Um, And I I just bring this up now to say thank you guys once again. Uh, That really wouldn't have been possible without you guys listening to this podcast, dropping those five-star reviews, uh, you know, giving us the presence that we have in in the Cubs podcast world, you know, as small as our presence may be. Uh, it's, you know, in large part due to you guys supporting us that, you know, anybody would know who we are or care what we have to say. So, uh, that was a very cool opportunity for me to, to go on a station I've, I've listened to my whole life. And that, uh, is the, the airwaves that Pat Hughes broadcasts on. That was, uh, th- that was a heavy realization for me. And folks, uh, you know, Corey followed Peter Gammons too, right after And that. Ron so Coomer. Peter, and Ron Coomer. So yeah. I'm thinking to myself, how the 
hell did that happen? Yeah, Corey um, is following a, a Hall of Fame journalist literally minutes after. So that yeah. was pretty pretty cool to, to listen to. Uh, yeah. So you know, a big thank you to the guys over at the Score for uh, having me on. And again, a thank you to you guys for, you know, making that opportunity possible. Um, I, you know, if you guys were able to listen, I I hope I I represented the Cubs-related podcast proudly. Uh, I did not get to talk about John Lester as much as I would have liked to shoehorn that in there. It it wasn't really appropriate. That's for uh, next time. Either way, it's you know it's uh, it's been quite the journey. From uh, there was some of those early episodes in 2016 that uh, you know I didn't have a microphone. I was recording on the floor of like my friend's apartment because not that many people were listening. So it's just sort of something that Brendan and I were doing. So uh, to be at that point, uh, you know, to be kind of asked upon as uh, someone that has knowledge about the Chicago Cubs was pretty wild. So uh, again, just thank you guys for that. It it was a, a real pleasure for me. And something, you know, Brendan and I recognize that, you know, you guys supporting this podcast uh, has has given us more opportunities and given us more of a voice in the Cubs community. So thank you guys for that. Again, we will talk to you twice uh, before the Cubs retake the field for the second half of the 2019 season. Uh, they end the first half, like we said, in, in, in first place, but, but questions uh, abound. Persist. Yes. yes. Questions abound. What will they do? What will they look like? Find out next on the <laughs> second half of the 2019 Chicago Cubs season. But as always, thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you a couple more times uh, during this All-Star break. We hope you enjoy the extra content, some of it, all of it, none of it, whatever you guys want to get into. We appreciate your support. And as always, go Cubs. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.